Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. In this week's show, we are going to preview who's number one, Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena 4. As always in the show, I'm your host, Maine, my co-host. Simon. How you doing, Simon? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. We're also going to preview the rest of the card. Uh, there's some fun matchups. It is Monday? Monday. Monday yes, we're recording is. this, the week of that card. We still don't have the t- probably two undercard matchups announced. We'll probably get those in true Grappling Rewind fashion tomorrow morning after the show is recorded and out. Um, but right now we don't have those, so we're just going to run through basically the the developments that have happened over the past week or so with the Gordon Ryan match, as well as the match between Pedro Marino and Giancarlo Bodoni, JT Torres and Majid Hage, Jasmine Hosha and Amanda Bruce, Oliver Taz and Jonathan Gracie, and Renee Souza and Kieran Kerchek. So a really good card overall. Gordon Ryan is a no time limit match, as kind of per usual with Gordon mm-hmm. Ryan headliner matches nowadays, for better or for worse. But uh, so that's this week's show. Um, nothing to recap. It's really just just this. So um, did we have any other other than the Gordon Ryan drama news? Do we have any other actual jujitsu related news? Not really. It just mainly just been. MMA, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram beefs. Yeah, but, pretty much. Or not MMA BJJ in this case, but the same child, like schoolyard level trash talking going on. Yep. I see. I'm actually you. You may have watched more of it. I don't watch like any of that. And the more we do this show, the less and less and less of that watch. Like between the whole grappling Ryan team, it gets like disseminated and fed to me in like screenshots now and again. Like, all right, here's the important piece you need to know for the podcast. Here's what's going on. Um. Gordon and Ryan, Gordon Ryan and Felipe are beefing. Gordon Ryan, uh, not really them. Gordon Ryan and Nikki Rod are beefing. Um, in Gordon Ryan's last match, we talked about at the UFC Invitational, uh, Nikki Rod broke his foot allegedly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the extent of the break or if like he cracked it or broke it. From He's, training footage, doesn't look like he slowed down much at all. Yeah, but we yeah. also seen Gordon dude did ADCC 2019 with a broken hand. True that. Like, we know he'll do it. We've seen him get his arm cracked with Craig Jones and EBI all those years ago. Like, dude's built different and he's tough. Um, but they've been going back and forth with beef. Basically, a bunch of steroid beef about, like, if Gordon's on stuff and Nicky Rod saying that he's not on stuff and, like, Nicky Rod doing a test and them kind of butting heads back and forth over essentially what seems like an agreement that they both had that they weren't going to talk shit about each other after the team split up. And I think that Gordon was upset that Nicky Rod said some stuff and they've kind of gone back and forth on that and it's led to Nicky Rod going getting a blood work panel test for steroids. Sure. Which... Yeah, which means whatever it means. Uh-huh. I'm not a I'm not a doctor, Simon. I'm doing this podcast here. Everybody so, on steroids. Everybody on steroids. But we know grappling around. We are we are fans of sports entertainment, and so honestly, like it's not my place to pass judgment on if someone's not on or are on stuff. The sport's pretty rampant with it overall, and it lets us get more exciting and better matches. That's kind of our take. But steroids won Nogi Worlds last year. Like did. this is a legit headline. They did win Nogi Worlds last year. It was. It was crazy. So that's sort of the beef with Gordon and Nicky Rod. Um, wh- so let's let's move in. Those other no, that's they've had beef. They're not fighting. But that is kind of the weird part with this matchup, like the Gordon Felipe Heat. Like we were talking about earlier. It's yeah. Like, so Simon and I talked about this. We it dwindled about this on, a little bit on the right? pre-show. We yeah. were like, so 
interestingly enough, like leading into their first, and so this is, let's give some history. If you want the full history, um, in like, I think August of last year, when this matchup mm-hmm. happened again, we did a full kind of deep dive into the first two Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena matches. The first one was at Studio 540 in 2016, when Gordon, I forget, it was a black belt, like right around a year. See, he was a new bra- black new, belt. New point. black belt. Yeah. And then into, and Felipe Pena beats him there. And then in 2017, they met in ADCC in the absolute finals. And then Felipe Pena beats him on points there as well. Um, then there was a big series of a couple of years where there was talking about the matchup, talking about the matchup. Would Gordon fight Galvao? And would he fight Pena again ever? The matchup was made again. We talked about a lot of the tactical adjustments that Gordon had made and a lot of like the tactical changes to Gordon's game from 2016, 2017, and then kind of what we were seeing from Gordon now, and you went back, and actually we both kind of did today, and watched a bunch of the matches from the old footage and went, yeah, the game, Gordon's game is really significantly different, whereas Penna's game is not hugely different. So we were talking about in the lead-up to this match sort of the narrative of going into that third match, there was a lot of beef, there was a lot of history, there was a lot going on in that third match, um, Leandro Lowe, one of Felipe, Felipe Pena's best friends, died like the or was murdered like the morning of. And so, how does that affect this match? In the lead up to this match, Flo made a documentary or like a behind the scenes, yeah, like, a, like a trailer, 20, 40 minute thing yeah. that was basically showing Gordon's camp and showing Felipe Pena's camp. Now at Atos with Andre, we'll kind of get into that. And the narrative was way different. It wasn't like a narrative of beef between the two guys, it was a narrative of like, yep. Both guys are down, nose to the grindstone, uncomfortable, and making improvements to beat the other guy. But in a lot of previous Gordon matches, especially with guys like Pena and Andre, there's like a level of animosity and beef that they kind of have towards each other that's just not, didn't feel like it was as present for this match as it was in prior matches. I'm not sure if you kind of got the same vibe or not. There's definitely still the same animosity there. The the difference right now really is like markedly so the uh, would be Felipe's performance at ADCC like yeah yeah he had some really good wins but then that loss to Nicky Rod yes. with with the whole now triangle between Nicky Rod Gordon and Felipe it's like and Nicky Rod being a former Gordon training partner for years that kind of sucked a lot of the wind I feel like out of this matchup like last time we had five years of suspense between 2017 and yeah. 20. Uh, 22 where we were just like will gordon felipe do this will gordon felipe do this they finally agreed to meet all the terms were met all the trash talking and gordon photoshopped onto a big baby memes like exchanged in between now it's just kind of like all the gimmicks have already been played and now it's just about the matchup at this point and the matchup you're kind of suffered a little bit because of that uh, ADCC well, loss. With two two losses. I mean, Felipe yeah. and ADCC wins neither division. He, wins, he does not win the absolute. Mm-hmm. He does not win the weight class that mm-hmm. Gordon was in. Never meets Gordon at the weight class because he gets beat a round prior by Nicky Rod uh, via a body lock pass, three-point three pass, and then he gets beat. Which Gordon invented, apparently. Did he? <laughs> That's what, that, was yester- that was last week's social media. That beef. was beef? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then... He gets beat by Tyra Tolo in the absolute, who is significantly smaller, who also did not win the absolute and did not win his division. We talked about his run in our match of the year discussion. If you mm-hmm. want to listen to that, uh, and at the end of the year, we talked about that. and It was it was wild. But those are Felipe's most recent performances. Gordon at the same event goes on to win that division and then beat 
Andre Galvao uh, in the absolute super fight, dethroning Galvao after four, I think four subsequent super fight titles to become the new super fight champion. Andre's now in the mix too. So Felipe Pena for this match. So, so that, that again, that kind of takes away from the not doesn't take away from the narrative, but it there's it less, sucks some of the juice out of the the matchup at this. Yeah, point. it's like Pena's not this unkillable god that goes up against Gordon, the only guy to beat him like in recent history, aside from like Vinny Magalhaes and that really close match he had with Jean Gabriel Hosha. Um, like the only guy to definitively like outpoint him and score him or submit him at black belt in in any sort of recent history. All of that kind of gets taken, gets sort of shuffled around a little bit when you see Gordon performing at the same event in the same division, winning it handily by subs, and then going on and beating Andre, a guy that Pena two years prior had also lost to. But the wrinkle on all of this is Pena leaves his own camp mm-hmm. and goes to Atos. Mm-hmm. And then not only does he go to Atos, he brings in Craig Jones, former ADCC medalist, Sorry, current ADCC medalist. Former training partner. Former training partner for many years. Former opponent before that. Former three-time opponent. Mm -hmm. Gordon Gordon Ryan and Craig Jones have met three times. Mm -hmm. Once in ADCC, once in EBI, once in Quintet. Mm -hmm. Gordon has taken all three of those. Gordon Ryan has gone against Andre Gaval, the leader and head head of Atos um, at the super fight. He's gone against Pana. Uh, AJ Agerson is also in the mix. I don't think they've ever had a match, but... Really, Gordon does not like AJ, and that's really the only animosity I think he has is towards AJ. Um, and then they've also brought in uh, who else got brought into that camp? Was it Kynan? Yeah, yeah, Kynan. I thought you said Kynan. Who also yeah. has uh, history? Who matches with Gordon? It was uh, Nogi Pan. Nogi Pan's twenty eighteen. Was it also Nogi Worlds twenty eighteen? I know Yuri it? was in there. Yeah. I always forget if it was Yuri and Kynan or just Kynan. I I know that. At Worlds and Euros, I thought that it was I thought it was Duarte for both, but really close match where he's beating mm-hmm. Gordon and then loses on points at the end. Um, that's the camp that Pena has created. So we're, we're we're kind of discussing all of this. Like we have less of a narrative path. We're going to kind of get into the technical pieces. Yeah. in a minute here, but Pena went full Rocky three on this. He's like, yeah. "Hey, Andre, I okay, we had our beef." Uh, you sunned me the last time that we uh, went like, threw me into the scorers table, racked up all the points. Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, will you train me for this match? And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's get this guy. So the interesting thing is, we've talked about this for years on the podcast. Is like one thing that Gordon does that is very, very unique, um, and because he's in a position to be able to do it, is he is one of the few top level black belt athletes in the world that is not running his own camp. Like he is a student of John Donaher. He has a sports nutritionalist. He has trainers. He has people. Like He is not the guy figuring out what he's going to drill that week, what he's going to study that week, what they're going to work on that week. He's not the guy doing all of the opponent study. Like He has a coach and someone crafting his training to have him improve and be more successful in the matchups and even just like grow as a grappler. And they kind of talked about years ago, they don't really plan for individual guys and grapplers. They more so just plan to improve themselves and then will take little things where guys can trouble them and like you make sure those are fine, but really they're spending their time becoming better grapplers and not trying to chase beating specific people, but just like be better than the entire field outright. Gordon doesn't run his own camp. It's something we see 
really no other sport, professional sport does, but jiu-jitsu guys have to do it because there's not enough money to mm-hmm. have a, you know, have your own camp run for you. MMA, we see it all the time. Like, guys, guys, they're not, they're not their head coach. Like, no, no almost no high-level MMA fighter is ever their own coach. Penna was, has been his own coach in the room, and he's talking about, like, his gym is good, he can get good rounds, but he needed to go be a student again, and he actually did it. He went to California, to Atos, to be in this room, to bring guys in, to create a camp for himself where he is not the student. He, sorry, he is not the teacher. He is the student under, aside from John, like, Andre is the best strategist, the best, like, most knowledgeable for the rules, the best tactician. And plenty of people have said this over the years, like Andre Galvao is the dude that you want in your corner if you want to win matches in every area. And Penna went there to that guy with all the beef, with their five matches between him, Gi and No Gi, that they went back and forth over the years. Andre's retired now, now training Penna for this matchup. That, for me, is the most interesting thing of this matchup, is can Penna make the changes to his game to be able to contend with modern Gordon. And if there was anyone in the sport that was going to be able to put Penna in a position to even be able to do that, I think it'd be Andre. It's just tough because there's literally nobody that can give you the look of what Gordon will give you. Like no. when, like we were talking about back in 2017, 20, their first two matches. Yep. Uh, I think Hamala was uh, cornering Felipe in that. I think in, that's correct. At, at the a, very at, least at ADCC. At ADCC, I, I forget on, who cornered him at. Studio 540 in 2016. Andre was on commentary for the 2017 Absolute For the Flow Zone one. And yep. he was talking, and you can hear Hamelo in the background, but then also you hear Andre talking about like other black belts that are in the crowd that are sort of cheering against Gordon because he had so much heat against him at that time. Right. Uh, but, and that's something's never changed. Yeah, and Hamelo was able to coach Felipe to a victory in that match with basically the same technique that Felipe used to win in the first one. He didn't choke him. In, he didn't get the choke in the second one, but still it was like... He racked up the back points. Yeah, it was like two minutes left. He got uh, the, the back points and, and he had he the double, body triangle. And then he double scored on the back points. Yeah. And he for just, ADCC. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I think it's just interesting though because you wonder like, yes, like uh, it, there's no nothing you could say against the credentials, coaching, or performance wise for Andre Galvao, especially at the highest stage, especially within this rule set. But what look could Andre or any of the guys in that camp possibly give you to overcome what modern Gordon is? Yeah. Nobody's been able to crack that code. No, except unless you like grab his foot really, really hard in a toehold. And that's again a, a mistake. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna see him make like Gordon is not a guy that we typically see make mistakes twice. No. Like, the in the, the Penna match, and that's kind of why the Penna match has been so interesting, because we kind of got to see him make the same mistake twice. Again, in a very, I think those two matches were less than six months apart. The Studio 540 match and the ADCC match. Like, we kind of yeah. got to watch Gordon make the same mistake twice. Like, on a leg lock entry, overcommit, get his back taken. Um, in the Studio 540 match, I forget the exact sequence for the ADCC match. It was a little different, but again, it was... No, it was Somewhat. basically exactly the same. Like Gordon okay. had a really deep bite. In fact, on the commentary again, like they were like, "Oh, he's got it. He's got it." I, yeah, they were just saying Felipe's not turning the way that he should turn. You saw then he's using that to chase the back and he used the same back take. Yeah, it was and the the second one far more impressive. I thought in the first one just how incredibly also smooth on, that was on that stage too. Like yes. at ADC, like Studio Five in the absolute finals. You know, yeah. like Studio Five Forty, it was in the, the gym. Fight? With Eddie Bravo refereeing, and I then God, he was the referee. Yeah, and then 
now you're at every, ADCC Super uh, Absolute Finals, and you pull that off. Every time I go watch that match, I'm always like, it's Eddie Bravo refing. I was like, oh, right, because they got him because he was an impartial party. Mm-hmm. And I loved the, like, oh, yeah, they got Eddie Bravo to ref the match because he was impartial. And he was like, I don't care. Like, both, they're both cool. Like, put him in there. Yeah. Um, but all that is to say, uh, like, you saw that and you saw that 2017 version of Gordon, he was still, everybody still kind of saw him as, oh, he's crazy leg lock guy. He's just crazy leg lock guy. Just don't get leg locked and you'll win. And for, I mean, everybody else at that tournament didn't work out so well for them. He was guillotining people and taking people's back and choking them out. Uh, But then Felipe was able to counter that, rode that to a win. Yes. But that's nowhere close to the same game as what Gordon plays today. Yeah. He's And we went in way in depth in this in the last time we previewed this was like the entry, like, specifically the entry and the passing that Gordon used in the 20... I remember the 2016 match more because that was the match that I think Gordon was more raw, and you got to see, like... You got to see him make more mistakes in that match, and the stuff that he does as far as passing and the leg lock entries, like, that kind of got him into trouble, he does not do. Like, both of the... Like, three times in the match, he kind of got into trouble... He doesn't do any of those things anymore. He has different ways of passing, like substantially different ways of passing. We don't actually see Gordon go into the legs that frequently. Since really about 20, really with any with any really, really good leg locker, we do not see Gordon enter the legs anymore. Like he doesn't enter the legs on Craig Jones. He doesn't enter the legs on, um, I had an example here. Whenever he has a guy that can shoot out with him, he just doesn't enter the legs. And maybe that Nicky Rod match is maybe a reason. Like, oh, yeah, he, they're not as focused on the legs as they were in, 2016, in 2014, 15, 16, 17, you know, moving. And they kind of fell off on that from 2018 onward because they put the DVDs out. And they went, look, we're not even on this anymore. We'll give it out, everyone, to public. You can buy it. You can watch it. We're on other stuff now. That's really when we stopped seeing him when he had that giant knowledge gap on everyone, do that. Mm-hmm. This kind of leads into what I think we're going to see from this match. In the third match that we saw at Flow Grappling, you know, a couple in August of last year, I think who's August. number one something or other. Yeah, who's number yeah. one? Gordon versus Penna three. Mm-hmm. We saw Penna playing a lot of bear trap, and we saw Gordon like really using his athleticism and like leaning on Penna and leaning him over and getting him tired. Like, and we knew in the lead-up to that matchup, that that was Gordon's strategy. Gordon talked very openly about that being the strategy. Two things. We have not heard Gordon talking strategy pretty much at all for not this match. at all. Which is interesting, mm-hmm. because that is a lot of... A lot of what he does in the trash talk leading up is telling you exactly how he's going to beat you. We're not hearing that this time. That's kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Two, the bear trap that he eventually ends up passing... like. 40 minutes in or something into the match they were a couple times early. 35 minutes because remember was that's that, that was the time that felipe said Ken, that they had the, agreed to yeah, and okay. that's when he was it was like did he quit did he not quit? is he yeah. stopping right like, like what's going he's going to the announce table and talking to them right yeah it is i am curious to see if gordon will deal with that because it was a couple times that you saw like gordon looked to go through it and was unable to do it and with the technique and tactics that he was using to get through that kind of variation of half court that penna was playing immediately couldn't go through it and it went huh that's interesting you watched Gordon kind of choose to get stuck and then go through it a couple more times in that match and then go okay I'm gonna pass this differently 
And then the final pass, he kind of does a different pass. I'm not sure if it's something that he was looking to do. And that's what he said in the interview or if something he sort of like figured out his way through. Okay, I can pass him like this. I can't pass him how I want to pass him. I say all this to say, at Atos, I think that Pena will make improvements. But I think with where Pena is in his career... We are not going to see significant changes to his game technically. Maybe tactically, we will see him adjust and modify his game. But I think in a no time limit match, you tend to, like long standing black, we very rarely, in, in combat sports, mm-hmm. you rarely ever see a guy late career all of a sudden suddenly change how he fights. Especially or, if he has a bread and butter. Like, yeah. Like established champions. Yeah. Like, yeah. the champions typically aren't like. In a, in a weird matchup for them going, oh, I'm going to fight this way instead. Like, that's not really what got you to the title and to the championship. You don't really, you're not really going to fight it that much differently. It's actually crazy when you look at Gordon. Gordon almost reinvents himself between super fights at times. And yeah. just sort of takes a completely different uh, meta in terms of his approach to a particular opponent and their skill set. And I wonder, honestly, like, because he is a master troll, and because he he probably he believes deep down in his heart, he's like, I, I got this. There's no way that I'm losing this fight. Yeah. I wonder if he just goes full Roddy Lock and just pressure passes and does what Nicky Rod did. And does exactly that. Like if he's so maniacal, I could couldn't you imagine him going back watching oh, the video God. of Nicky winning that fight and then going exact sequence for sequence using the same passes that Nicky used against Penna if Penna were to go back to that bear trap, which even in in Penna and Ryan's last match, it's sort of like he was able to use that just enough to rack up a ton of moral victories, it felt like. Like, yeah. man, he's given the really, really good fight. But once he passed at the end, it was like, okay, this is about to end, this is about to end, this. And then it ended yeah. funny, sure. But yeah, I think the blast takedown was kind of weird. Like, you could tell that Penna was, you, the last match was so weird. And I, it was really I, because weird. Because you could tell the whole time that Penna, understandably so, obviously, didn't want to be there because he had just lost his best friend to a murder earlier that day. He really found out like I, I we well, like woke up to it. Like, yeah, on like Sunday morning, the, and then the match was Sunday night. Yeah, like very very raw news to have. You're in a weird state. Like, understandably, didn't want to be there. And there's a lot of controversy and a lot of a lot of who's he said who who said what about that whole series and fallout. I'm curious to see if we get. If that is a snapshot of Penna that we don't see again, because obviously you're in a different mental headspace. Yeah. Or if we're going to see kind of the same performance we saw at ADCC. I, I would lean toward the latter. But, I mean, tell me you can't imagine Gordon just going step by step through the Roddy Lock system. Yeah, no. And just I'm, using I mean, that to nullify I mean, I any think, sort of guard I game. Think from- tactically, that'd be the best way. Like, you already saw that a Penna that kind of didn't want to be there, that kind of wasn't about it, that was like putting up a good fight was happy to play that and, and played it very, very well against you. Why would you, if you can get Penna down again, like I think this take, take down sequences that Gordon used, I'm curious with that foot injury. If he can foot sweep like he, he normally foot does. sweep like the way he does, because it's a hard kick to get yeah. it over. And he the foot that he cracked, I think, is the foot that he typically leads and sweeps with. But I assume that he can get Penna down. Mm-hmm. Like I assume that he is physically strong enough that he can, he can replicate kind of what Andre did and what... Like Penna's not... Um, not the best grappler on the feet. He's very, very competent, but like Gordon has enough tools, I think, that he can leverage the skills and tools he has to get Penna down 
probably or pop yeah probably Mm -hmm. you know you probably wouldn't want to fight to the half guard again like penna's why would you let penna recover that if you have the ability to take him down into a spot avoid the half guard penna's gonna fight the hell out of the body lock again it took nicky rod who's a fun who can do it on yuri samos the guy Mm -hmm. that like invented it Mm -hmm. took him a while to get there but gordon ryan's long we know he can do it we know he's really good at it that i think would be the right strategy to take and that wouldn't surprise me because that just kind of gordon's the guy that loves to rub salt in the wound on people being passed and beaten the same way of a guy for someone whose camp you brought in that you already got beat at adcc in the division that he was also in seems like the most gordon ryan kind of way to beat you like i'm gonna body lock you i'm gonna pass you and then I assume he's going to get the back and choke because that's sort of his M.O. nowadays. It's like we're going to see a similar sequence that he beat Andre with. It's it's interesting. I think- Well, and it actually does come full circle when you think about it because now you're like, okay, if your bread and butter probably won't work against what Gordon's about to bring towards you, then is there something that not that none of us really know is going on in Andre's mind in that camp that he can figure yeah. out? This is the key to the puzzle. This is the thing that we've all been ignoring because we all want to – talk about Gordon like he's some punk kid that's coming up on the scene like no right. like he's been on the scene he is the scene he's been it he's been at the pinnacle of the sport for years now so the more exposure one gets you always wonder is there a coach especially like in mainstream sports you see it all the time is there a coach is there a coordinator that can sort of figure out this is the key to the puzzle this is how we are going to be able to overcome this unstoppable force mm-hmm. um, I, am I that confident so, in it? Eh. Talking unstoppable force one thing that kind of threw me off that was really interesting Gordon's always talked about kind of like Eslon will beat me eventually like that was given more time in this segment mm-hmm. than it previously has been. Yeah. Gordon Ryan kind of talking about his legacy. It's like, oh yeah, some guy eventually will come along and figure out how to beat me. Like probably not gonna be often. I don't. I doubt it. It's gonna be very soon, but it'll happen. And he talked about that in a different kind of way than we have heard him talk about it in like a little bit here. And it was like almost like a matter of fact. Whereas before it was almost like a pie in the sky. Like yeah, down the road at some point in time it'll happen. Versus like, yeah, I recognize that the guys that are going to beat me are probably in the sport now. It was just, it, I, it's an intangible way about how he said it in this set of interviews that I thought was interesting. Um, again, I don't really think Penn is the guy right now to do that, but it is interesting to realize and have Gordon kind of come to terms with, oh yeah, I'm getting a little older, like I got my foot broken, like there are guys that are coming for me. My tummy still hurts. Yeah, my, all of that. Um so I just yeah, I think we probably see a body lock game from Gordon. I think we probably see a foot sweep or a single leg or um, that variation of kind of the back sweep that we see all the new wave guys hitting mm-hmm. to the ground. Um, I think Gordon probably gets caught in the half guard in the first time in sequence that happens. They probably come back to the feet. I bet it's probably pretty hairy there for a minute. I bet we spend a pretty prolonged period on the feet before eventually Gordon hits a late single leg, runs him down, and eventually can body lock him through. I think he's almost going to get turned over once or twice, but he's going to be able to stabilize it. He's going to unlock his hands once and have to reset the position to get around. And then I think he's going to body lock, he's going to crawl them out, he's going to get the back, he's going to choke, in kind of a similar sequence we saw that he hit on Andre. That is my guess. If he pulls, uh, that would be interesting too, but... For some reason in my head, that's just how I have this match going because Penna is such a monster in the guard. Yeah, but I 
I I just feel like if Andre's coach, if he went to Andre specifically, Pena did. It doesn't seem that the that would be in the strategy or in the DNA of an Atos camp to be like, all right, we're going to go against this monster and you're going to go and you're going to pull within the, you, so I, I do agree with you. I think it's going to be contested on the feet for a good bit of that. And again, going back to the the commentary that Andre was doing on that match, like Andre was wondering why Philippe wasn't standing with Gordon often, more often in that match. Um, Gordon's actually having a pretty hard time getting him down there. And then, I mean, even in the third match, like Gordon did not, it made Gordon look human in a way that we kind of forgot like, because how the match ended. Like, Gordon did not have an easy time initially with Pena on the feet. Like, that was not... Like, we remember towards the end of the match when Pena got a little tired and kind of, like, kind of quit, didn't want to be there as much. Gordon struggled at the beginning to get him down. Yeah, and I, I know that a lot of the focus of that match, of the, the third match, was on Philippe's uh, mental state at the time, things like that. Did he quit? Did he break? Yada, yeah. yada. Gordon had to work pretty hard in that match. Gordon was huffing and puffing for a good bit. Mm-hmm. Gordon was turning purple. Like When oh, I yeah. say Felipe was g- gaining those moral victories, I think that's a lot of what you saw was the amount of work that he forced Gordon mm-hmm. to do in their latest matchup. And you wonder if he can get back to that minus all of the the mental and emotional trauma he was feeling at that time. Can he turn the tide on Gordon and make him put, put Gordon in a place where suddenly Gordon is tired and on the defensive himself in a way. But that in and of itself is an impossible thing to do. And that that is a huge milestone effort for Felipe to be able to put out. Yeah. And you would think that between the combined forces of him and Andre, that's sort of the direction that they might be going in. Is to- yeah, that wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me. Again, you spend Pena's goal is to spend as much time on the feet as possible leaning on Gordon. Mm-hmm. I just think that that is probably the path because that's kind of what Andre does in his matches too. Like yeah. look at the Andre Pena match. Like mm-hmm. that's how he beat Pena. That's probably how Gordon will want to beat you. You spend more time standing, and he mm-hmm. and it's something that Andre keyed in on in the 2017 match. It's something that we all keyed in in, in their 2022 match. I think that would be good practice. My, my so my question is, that makes sense. Why did they bring Craig Jones in? What what piece do we think Craig Jones has other than the B cream, um, <laughs> which I thought was great? Like the that um, what. What do we think Craig Jones brings? Do we think that Pena is going to go into the leg locks with Gordon, with Craig? Because that's, that's, that is Craig's forte. Like, he is the best leg locker in the sport, and I've said it for, for years. Like, as far as that is his game, he does it at the highest level, and guys do everything they can to get out of his leg locks. He has other great, other great tools as well, but, like, that is the thing at a high level that Craig Jones wants to do, and that's what he does. You're bringing Craig Jones, and I think you only do that if you are looking to really leverage that skill set into your game. Or do you think they're doing it as a counter? Like, hey, here are the leg lock options that Gordon may throw you. If Gordon does decide to go back for the legs, kind of reminiscent of 2016, 2017, now that he has much better back defense and much you know better scrambling and passing and all of the other tools have you know expanded, mm-hmm. why do you think they brought Craig Jones in? Well, you can't ignore the fact that they were training partners for how long? They've been opponents for how long? Five years. Craig's just got a lot of really good looks on Gordon yeah. in the room and out. And yeah. On top of that, he's a world class performer in himself. Like, wouldn't you want to bring in as many like A level bo- uh, bodies into yeah. your camp as possible? There's like he was he 
moved his entire camp in order to get better looks in all these aspects. Mm-hmm. If there is another top of the heap guy that's out there that's willing to help out, like I'll take whatever yeah. he can offer you at that point. And also similar to what you were saying about Andre, uh, Craig is as a coach has been pretty successful. At least, I mean, from what I'm following on the MMA side, just because that's what Volkanovski. He as Volkanovski or Volkanovski has a number of grappling coaches, but him being in his camp for these last few fights has made Volk's game and well-roundedness. And it's not like Alexander Volkanovski is going out there and heel hooking everybody. No, but he's getting a world-class grappler in his camp with a wealth of knowledge in multiple positions and strategies and different metas of. Uh, the way that he's able to break down, and I don't want to go into Alex Volkanovsky's whole game and his like, latest matchups or anything like that. But Simon even and I watch a lot. Of, Simon, I watch way more, too much MMA. War MMA, and we watched we watched uh, the Volkanovsky fight yeah. together because it was fun. And but to yell at the screen together. That is all to say, like, just because you bring Craig Jones into your camp doesn't mean you're doing it because you're looking for one-on-one leg lock seminars every day. But that is a strategist. That is a performer at an incredibly high level. That's a sparring partner that can give you a look as close to Gordon as maybe anybody in the world. Like, if he has I think advice for you, yeah, I think take that's it correct. In. Like, he, yeah. Gor- Craig, at the level that he, comp- he, he trained with Gordon... There, I would not say anyone else in the world has a better insight as to his game and can would be able to ex- maybe not replicate, but explain and have someone be able to replicate all of the things he was doing a year ago before the team split. Like, yeah, that's I think you you're not going to get anyone closer at that level to Gordon that's no longer with Gordon, mm-hmm. unless you get John in your camp. That, but like that's that's yeah. never going to happen. No. But that's, I think Craig's the closest thing that they're going to have to that. It's interesting, and I don't want to overlook it, but again, I, I didn't really know where he fit into that camp, and I was kind of curious what your thought was. Yeah, you're just getting you're getting a master strategist into the camp that knows Gordon better than anyone else. It is another interesting wrinkle that was not present in their third matchup. So I'm, I'm hyped for the matchup. Um, I do think Gordon takes it. I do think it is in areas probably closer than most people will think. Um but there's been interesting kind of wrinkles in this whole in this whole lead up that gives me a little less confidence that it's going to be a, just a clean smashing mm-hmm. as previous. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what are your thoughts? Kind of the same thing or do you, you very do you much the different? same thing? Like it, at the end of the day, it's not like anybody's really laying down money on Felipe in this matchup. Yeah. Um, Unless we can bet on it, then time. No, you know, I might, no. might lay some parlays down. I'm not betting on jujitsu anytime soon. But <laughs> the minute the minute it's on DraftKings, I'm gonna lay down. I'm, I know what I'm do. I do this podcast for many many years. I will. I will bet on grappling. I think just in terms of the matchup, I, with really good matchmaking, you always want to see like what questions does it answer. All right. Yeah. How does this matchup differ now that? Uh, Felipe is not dealing with the death of one of his best friends on that right. day. How does this differ if all of the behind the scenes flow told me I could do this and then we were going to do this with the time limit and then we did that with right. the time limit and Gordon's a bad guy because like with all that out of the way, now it's me and you, no time limit, sub only. The only way this match ends is by submission one way or the other. There's no EBI escape rules or who escapes the fastest type deals or anything like that, Um, which is, again, why Gordon negotiates hard to get these matches at a no time limit. So there's no excuse at the end of the day. Um, And you just sort of... the, The biggest wrinkle, like we've been talking about for like the last 15 minutes, is is Felipe going Rocky three on this and bringing in his ex-opponent as his trainer, coach, 
camp leader at this point, is that going to pay off? And if so, in what ways? Like, is he going to change his whole meta and approach to this Gordon match? And if so, how will that look? And I think that's what we're going to be looking for on Saturday. Yeah. So I'm um, Friday. Sorry. I was, you said Saturday. I was, like, I was like, when is it? Thursday, Friday, someday, this weekend. This at weekend, some point, yeah. at some point. I have that, I have that up right here. Uh, if I can get my mouse to work, uh, this weekend, February twenty fifth, right. on Friday, right? Yes. Okay. Ooh, a lot of question marks there. So that's the matchup. <laughs> I'm, I'm amped for it. Let's move on. And let do you have any other kind of closing thoughts on the matchup? I'm amped for it. Again, I I watch all Penna's matches. I watch all of Gordon's matches. I'm not going to miss it. Um, I am happy it's going again. Again. There are very few matchups that I'm really interested in seeing Gordon in. This is one of them, mm-hmm. you know. And there's there's history. There's a narrative behind it. We talked about it for almost 40 minutes, 35 minutes. There's a reason why because it's compelling. We very rarely preview a match in this depth because it's compelling. what length rash guard does Gordon wear? That's what I'll be watching. <sighs> what do you think? Because you, you talked about the long sleeve one for Nikki because of the greasing. I but think it probably is a normal kit. Whatever he's short, selling, I think short yeah. sleeve is probably going to be what he goes with. I remember but. Gary did an interview years ago where Gary started talking about he only ever wore short sleeve rash guards because he kept getting arm dragged or things like that. So yeah, you, you would think that in there's this a match, tactical reason, yeah, why he th- there's going to be a reason why, Gordon, and it's probably going to be his regular kit. Yeah, yeah. So that's the matchup. Um, what do you want to do next? You wanna, I, I think the uh, co-main, the co-main, yes, yeah, the co-main. very much so, excited for this one. Moving on to the co-main, we have Pedro Mourinho versus Giancarlo Bodoni. Again, another match with some history behind it. Giancarlo, so you had a very before we get into any of that, like Pedro's beat him once before by guillotine in 2021. Mm-hmm. You had a really interesting point that you brought up as far as like matchmaking and booking that I think bears some merit leading into this segment. Um, as like a fight promoter. You know, really. So when you look at classic fight promotion, I kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, you always want to answer a question sort of the, the, whether it's boxing, professional wrestling, MMA, you're always trying to sort of figure out if I take this guy and I take this guy and I put them together, what's going to happen. Right. And then the question being answered is usually the result of a really good fight yeah with Bo you, Doni, you, craft, you craft a narrative here and you you give you give people like yeah. us a storyline to latch on to to make the fight interesting than the, more interesting than the sum of its parts together in that storyline bodoni's the guy on the rise right now he's the dude that just won adcc and everybody's like where the hell did this guy come from yeah he's the he won trials then wins adcc they then do a documentary on him and a little series on flow yeah and like you were saying once once they start doing documentaries on you they're probably going to give you the matchups that are going to tailor well to your style to your yeah. level of competition but at I, this point i think it's interesting though that i agree with that wholeheartedly it is interesting that Mourinho is a guy that has a somewhat recent victory, submission victory, over Bodoni. And when they made this matchup before, I had remembered that. Mm-hmm. I went, stylistically, this is really interesting because of that tool. And then I looked at it, it actually was a guillotine that Pedro subbed him with. Pedro has a cra- one of the best like power guillotines or guillotines in the world. Mm. And he's quick, and he's really strong. Bodoni is very, very good. He's a great athlete. But I think that he is probably a better technician than Mourinho, but Mourinho is probably a faster and quicker athlete at the weight class than Bodoni. And we've seen that like in Bodoni's matches versus Elder Cruz when he, he deals with another kind of like good athlete that's willing to like pressure in and put pressure into him, how Bodoni's game can kind of get thrown off by that. Mourinho is a guy that I think will be tentative on the feet, 
until he just decides to blast and go in a very similar way that Elder Cruz was to Bodoni, and that match, you know, didn't go Bodoni's way um, somewhat recently. Bodoni has the tools here at New Wave to be able to get this victory back and beat Pedro. He has the kind of leading into flow and flow creating the documentaries on him. Mm-hmm. He has this booking. This is a tough matchup, especially on paper. But I think Bodoni, since the 2021 matchup at one of the IBGDF like locals, something or other, yeah, I think it was Orlando. Was it where it was? But mm-hmm. Bodoni has made so. Bodoni does not look like the same guy. No, like, and that's that's what we were touching trials. on. Because I couldn't even remember that they had faced each other previously. You had yeah. just sort of picked it out of the, from the ethos out of your of memory. The ether of the but I was like, I it was and it was just basically he he had Bodoni had so many matches in 2022 that I didn't scroll up high enough on the page to go back to 2021 matches. Yeah. And it was midway through, midway through 2021 and 2022 were all those matches that were sort of career defining for him so yeah. far. It's when he came onto the scene, sort of took over, and I was think, like, uh, I think trials was was trials. 21 or is that april of 22 that would have been that would have no that would have been that would have been november of 21 21 yeah so late 21 Mm -hmm. was his win was his east coast trials victory for adcc that great run that i had to i had to coach against him where he beat elder cruz in the finals yeah um but this is this is it's a different guy it's a different guy than that previous matchup it's a style that we know will work against Mourinho, not because and I think I might have misspoke earlier, not because Mourinho presents a stylistic matchup that's beneficial for Bodoni, but it's a style that literally they just game planned last year when Gordon went and subbed Mourinho. Yeah. And it's like if you can just uh, copy Mourinho last year was that that was last year, I'm pretty sure who's number one. I think. Oh, they did fight it. They did fight it. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, who's number one yeah. last year. Yeah, because they fought twice. Because they mm-hmm. Gordon heel hooked him when he was a brown belt at ADC, ADCC in 2019, and then last year he uh, choked him from uh, the back. He took RNC. Yep, because he couldn't smother choke him. That was yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Mourinho was like, "Nah, bro, I'm a good black boy. I I'm know what's up. Push up on your I'm arms. just gonna keep pushing yep. up." And Gordon talked about that in the post fight. Um, so you same know camp, that same guy. Your camp has the game plan for it. You are now like the guy on the rise right now. You're yep. supposed to come out and take the old guard out, and this is sort of that career-defining moment. For, I mean, winning ADCC is a career-defining moment, but now yeah. now that you're going to sort of milk that victory and sort of take it onto the super fight scene, okay, Mourinho's your guy. That is the matchup that you want to go and you book that super fight oh, and now. And he's the light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. So Because the match with Gordon wasn't for light heavyweight because it was above, it was 218, I think, was the matchup weight. Something like that, yeah. Um, and Pedro's 205, is the champion at 205, but Doni's going up to this 205-pound title. I think Bodoni's going to be a little... Smaller than Mourinho, but not by much. I I do think that Mourinho is a tough matchup, but I do think I'm trying to think of exactly like tactically and tactically how I think Bodoni will take this because I think Pedro troubles a lot of guys on the feet because he's so explosive and that guillotine is so crazy good that if he gets your neck on the feet, like it's a it's a monster to be able to get and free your neck out before he takes your head off. I think we're going to see Bodoni hit that outside trip that we've seen all the new wave guys. Hit. Yeah, like I don't think he uh, uses side size and strength the way that Gordon did against him, but no. I think it's going to be a lot more of the same game plan, just sort of copied and pasted onto a smaller athlete at that point. Yeah. Uh, How do you think? Do you think it's a points one or a victory? Or do you think it's a sub? I I honestly wonder if he takes his back and chokes him out. Like, yeah. 
very similar to how Gordon finished that one. Like instead of going for the whole smother thing because he's trying to sell a DVD or something like that. Right. I honestly wonder if that is sort of the path to victory that they select just based off of that's what worked last time. That's uh, and that's also not an unfamiliar position for Bodoni to go win- be winning fights right. in. So the two ADCC matches that Pedro had, what he had that banger match with Wagner Hosha that mm-hmm. was like tons of wrestling off the mat, and he had a penalty win over Jay Rodriguez at um, at eighty eight kilograms as well. Uh, didn't do did he do the absolute division? I don't think he did the absolute division. I can't see right now because that's Flo's website. Flo's website and, very intuitive, and they're. They've made some changes with how they display your records. Um, but, I, yeah, I think that we're not going to see Bodoni get into, like, a wrestling shootout. Like oh, yeah, he Wagner. lost to Ty in the absolute. Yes. Yeah. Yep. By by choke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It was, like, a modified RNC, though, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I was. That was on not the mat closest to me. That was on a corner mat. So and that was a big that was a big couple of days. I was at work probably watching it on my iPhone. So I'm, I think I think yeah. that in 15 minutes I think that Bodoni will be able to choke him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably the same way he'll get to the back eventually. Um, but Pedro is super. We saw that in the guard match. He's super savvy. Seeing Bodoni be able to take a victory here from top position wouldn't surprise me. Um, also seeing. Bodoni on the bottom and get frustrated by Pedro's like pressure in the guard also wouldn't surprise me either. But I think Bodoni will have a solution and a strategy to that. A lot of it's going to come down to the wrestling. I think a lot of it's going to come down to who wins the battle on the feet and then what is the end result of that. Yeah. So again, I think this is I think this is set up for Bodoni to win. I think this is honestly it it's one of those like two true outcome matches where it's either this is really really close and kind of a nail biter or Bodoni makes the adjustments that he needs to and kind of takes it pretty cleanly mm-hmm. um i don't i would be surprised to have this be a super dominant victory for pedro no but i could definitely see pedro tactically making the adjustments stalling bodoni out in the guard and like preventing the submission game from the bottom and like kind of stalling mm. bodoni out when top pressure and doing enough on top making it a really close kind of like match but if it becomes really a shootout it. like you could definitely see bodoni coming out on top just having more offensive techniques to overcome the savviness of Pedro Mourinho. Yeah. It's fun. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. Um, that's, that is, that is interesting in its own regard. So I'm excited. I'm, that'll be, that'll be super fun. Anything else on that? Not really. No. All right, let's move on. JT Torres, Majig Hage. JT Torres, uh, who's number or sorry, Tezos presents who's number ones, whatever they call it now. Um, I just see that stupid, uh, branding all over the place at this point. I get it. This is a who's number one debut. Which is funny because Oof. because they're like really going hard on marketing how many times they each of these athletes are with who's number one. They're marketing this as who's number one, Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena two. Even though this is their yeah, they did that, fourth they did overall that match. The, they did that for the first one. Exactly, and, and, yes. and the commentary had to bring it up. They were like, This is the first time they've been on who's number one, this is the third match. I was like, guys, just do it do it to four. Like Weidman and um Hall in the UFC was Weidman Hall 2. Yeah. Like, you can just, even the first one was in Ring of Combat in 2009. Like, you can just do it. You can just add the two in a different organization. It's okay, mm-hmm. guys. It is funny, though. It is very funny. They they That Flo has chosen to sort of highlight this is JT's first appearance at Who's Number One, as if JT hasn't competed against the best at the biggest stages. Of like, the, like, he's not two-time yeah. ADCC champion. So, JT Torres, uh, really, really fucking good. 
Yep. Did not have the best performance at ADCC 2022, being two-time champion, did not make it to the finals, got taken out by PJ Barch, who also did not medal at nope. that event. Um, had a really tough, JT had a really tough match with Kenta Iwamoto in the first round. Kenta has some amazing wrestling. This match is a, like a bar match for where is JT Torres at right now? And for the big pieces, where is Majid? Because Majid got in as a late replacement for ADCC. He did not win U.S. trials, did not win either U.S. trials, did not win either South American trials, getting beat by Roberto Jimenez and by um, Mika. Mika Galvao in the finals of... The second South American trials. But the first one, did Jimenez beat him in the semis or the finals as well? I don't remember. I don't. I think it was not... It was. I know not, they both subbed him though, right? You think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think they were all both clean all the way through for both of them. Um, Majid is very good. Like we've been big fans of him, Gorilla Hands, for years and years and years. I just actually watched the Mexico documentary with um, the Tolls in Mexico, mm-hmm. and he's in that prominently. And you know, again, I've been a huge fan of him for a long time. JT Torres, at his prime, was like head and shoulders above pretty much everyone at the weight class. Mm-hmm. Majid was always a guy that in the mix um, had some great wins, had some like. Baseball bat choke was that dude's game 2014 onward. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are meeting at an interesting point in their career where it's like JT's just had some rough matches. Majid has just had some great performances at trials, but was unable to win, but still got in. They ended up shaking out at kind of a similar place in ADCC in their division, second round to first round. I think JT Torres takes this. I think JT Torres definitely has better wrestling. Um, JT Torres, I think, is one of the better wrestlers in that division. That inside trip that he hits is second to none. I think that he can probably get Majid down with that. Um, it's just being able to get through the guard of Majid and then eliminating the scramble. It's can JT Torres scramble like he used to scramble? Because I think if he can, he takes this pretty handedly over Majid. I think he should. I think JT should be levels above Majid. Yeah. And like I was telling you earlier, Majid, all, there's a pattern if you like look through his record, and I know BJJ records are whatever, but like if you just see win, 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 loses to a household name. Win, 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 loses to a household name. Yeah. If the JT Torres that we all know and love and have followed for years shows up, as I'm pretty sure he will. Because even if you look at... The last few years, like between 2017, 2019, and now, it's not the most active of the guys at the top of the game in terms no. of taking super fights and things like that. Not Usually, really. if if they're like around like the New York, New Jersey area, it seemed like JT was taking them, or if it's yeah. against like a Gary Tonin or one of those or guys. Wagner, like yeah, that, that match with he had with Wagner at Fight to Win was one of the craziest it was matches. Fire! Of the year. It was amazing. Yes, and, and like if that JT shows that up, JT smokes Majid. Yeah, and you just wonder what exactly happened at ADCC last year because it's not like because JT's not that active. It's not like we have a ton of footage of him yeah. that we can see a a steady decline. Like, oh yeah, JT must be getting old or whatever it is. Just sort of wasn't his weekend for whatever reason yeah, and that we, was. We've had guys talk about that. We have. I've talked to guys about that where it's like, yeah, man, uh, felt great. Got to Vegas. Got to you know. Got to um, LA, and just didn't wasn't feeling it that weekend it was a weekend before weekend after i felt great that weekend i was just off and didn't feel it. And we've, we've talked I mean, over the years i think you probably talked to guys like that when i've done interviews like before i do the interview i'll, I'll usually do a little bit of pre-interview with a guy and i'll talk to him and hey here's the questions i want to ask you you know is there anything anything you don't want me to ask you just to be respectful of the athletes and their time um and i've talked to guys you know a lot of times 
you'll build rapport throughout the interview and you'll talk mm-hmm. to a guy for a couple minutes after because, you know, he gets that I actually really enjoy the matches or the male or female grappler, like, they get that I really enjoy the matches and I've actually followed their career as a fan and they'll go, oh, and you'll talk to them for a few minutes after and then you'll lead into some questions of like, hey, how'd you, you know, man, that tournament, I just wasn't feeling it or that, you know, this invitational, I just wasn't feeling it because I came in and it just wasn't right. We haven't heard any of that from JT, but that very well could have been the possibility. We don't really hear much from JT, period. Like, he goes, he competes every once in a while. Usually, IBJJF. everyone? Yeah, usually, like, we'll just roll deep into an IBJJF open, like, as Atos teams tend to do. Goes and racks a bunch of medals. He's not Infinity now. He's, um... Um, isn't he still uh, essential jujitsu is, is his gym, but isn't he still like under the a, Atos I umbrella? I think he's essential now. I think they register as essential. Okay. Cause I think Fion registers as essential, but, but still someone that wrong. came up under Andre, like yeah, they, exactly. they go and they storm these opens. They, they rack win, up a ton of hardware. Win. They take yep. giant podium pictures and you're like, damn, like he's a really good jujitsu coach. Yeah. Also, damn, he's a really good jujitsu athlete. Yeah. And you do kind of have to wonder like, man, he maybe just didn't have a great weekend. Yeah. If, especially for someone who doesn't go out and take a lot of super fights to go and agree to this matchup to why is it that now you're coming to this promotion you've never worked with before and who's number one against I mean, uh, like you said, Majid was a replacement, but for him to take this matchup against this promotion caliber that guy. he's never uh, competed for before, you got to wonder, JT's probably knows something that we don't know in terms of, I didn't have a good weekend that week, watch me work this weekend, and then yeah. kind of goes and does something special. And, that, and that's sort of what I'm inclined to believe. Like Again, like Majid is a dude, he's with, my biggest kind of X factor now is like how much time he's spending with the Rotolos. Mm-hmm. And I watched a round between Majid and Ta, uh, sorry, Cade, um, today, and I was like, man, Majid is, he's just crafty. He's mm-hmm. like crafty and he's tricky in weird ways. And like, he can be beaten, but if you let Majid be tricky on you, like, he is really tough to deal with. And he has a couple of techniques. Again, he's a guy that specialized in the baseball choke. That's a certain kind of guy that mm-hmm. has those ancillary techniques that are like not prominent in the forefront. You get a guy that gets really good at that. They have, and you can watch him in his role with uh, Cade, kind of throw some of that stuff out there. Where it's like, oh, that's kind of a tricky way to do that. That is, we watch a lot of jiu-jitsu that is non-standard. It is not stuff I think JT will be sort of thrown off by, especially coming from Atos, running Infinity. Yeah, you don't see a lot of crafty guys having success against JT like that. Is yeah. It? You like don't Gary beat, look at the Gary Tony yeah, match. You don't beat JT by being crafty. You just have to sort of overwhelm whatever he's trying to push on you and, yeah, and then, win off of like a, like four nothing scorecard or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and watch the Gary Tona match and the Wagner match that JT has. Like you crafty is not the way to beat the guy mm. you know he jt will outcraft and out technique you and then put you into a hole and put you down and then grind you and then he will win because mm-hmm. that's sort of what jt torres does um it's done a lot against very high level against guys. the highest of this all highest level guys yes. forever so again this is a match that i think is really interesting because we have seen again majid's in that camp that surf fight camp with the rotolos spending so much time with the rotolos and the rotolos are guys that are gonna build on that crafty game in nature and he's been with the Rotolos for since they were little kids so I'm not like he's just come in with them um I think it's a very very tough matchup for Majid but it really if JT Torres is now the guy that we saw at ADCC this could be a very very even matchup mm-hmm. so but I do think I do think 
JT ends up taking this again. We're, I'm not trying to be disparaging and speaking against Majig's game. No. That's sort of not the focus of the show, but it's a very rough matchup on paper based on the game and style we have seen from Majid and the game and style we have seen from JT. It's like they just don't mash up together. So it's, it's a rough style matchup for Majid. Mm-hmm. But again, I sure as hell want to see it. Two guys, ADC. Dude, I want to see every honestly. match JT Torres yeah. ever has. But I also yes. like, I love that like Majid is a guy on, on the level. You know, ADCC, you're the top 16 in the world to get into that bracket. Those are the kind of guys I want to see JT Torres against, uh, especially in a debut at who's number one. So, should be very, very exciting. Next match, we have Jasmine Hosha versus Amanda Bruce. I like Jasmine's game. Mm-hmm. We've followed it for years. We've been watching Jasmine Hosha for, I think she was a purple belt. So, uh, not that many years. But, um... Looked very good recently. We've seen her in a lot of game matches. She placed uh, second? Second in Nogi Worlds. Nogi Worlds. She did that insane match with uh, Tammy, remember? Yes, yeah. that's what I was, I was. I didn't know if that was Gi or Nogi. last time I was on the show. So. Okay, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if that was Gi or Nogi. I was like, is that Gi? In Nogi my Worlds, head, yeah. I was like, is that Gi or Nogi? I don't remember. Um, I don't know much about Amanda Bruce's game. Nope. I looked her up a little bit today, um, but I was unable to find a ton of like really great information about her game um i will go jasmine here because i'm much more familiar with her game and you had a tough match with tammy musamechi who has been a world champion numerous times over i'm gonna go with jasmine i'm curious to see that i know this is nogi because everything is nogi um i'm curious to see what folds we see from jasmine's game because we know that jasmine's goal is adcc Mm -hmm. and pretty much everyone who's number one's goal is adcc it will be interesting to see her come off some tough performances at IBJJF and continue to make improvements in in Nogi. Oh, yeah, no, I think she slaps, bumps, goes forward the whole time until match ends. Yeah, she's like yeah. her dad. Yep. She's like, she, yep. She is like a smaller female version of Wagner in mm-hmm. the way that she likes to grapple, and I'm about it. Like, she's... I'm like, all about it. Just, it seems like a, she seems like a rough a rough lady to grapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, next one we have Oliver Taza versus Jonathan Gracie. You on the pre-show made me laugh so hard. You're like, dude, Oliver Taza is so active. And then I looked. We covered him on the show as a headliner uh, two weeks ago versus Last Ben Eddie. Oh yeah, two yeah, weeks ago yeah, versus yeah. Ben Eddie, and then he has another match since then on another super hard organization that we're not going <laughs> to get a chance to cover. Of, yeah. I, I've heard about it. But it was it just one not one we typically are able to cover because uh, I tend to find it, have a problem finding the footage sometimes. But dude's super active. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Gracie is really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. If Oliver Taza can get, he can pull guard and he can get to the knee bar he wants or the inside or outside heel hook, he can win this match. If he is unable to do this, and Jonathan Gracie starts to get going on Oliver Taza, I think Jonathan Gracie takes this match pretty handedly. That is every Oliver Taza match. Like, if Taza is on his game, he is so hard to beat. If he is running through, like, the things that he's good, if he's underneath you and he's scooping your legs and he's inverting, like, he is an absolute nightmare to deal with. Look at his trials run at ADCC. Look at... This match with Ben Eddy, like look at and that's Ben Eddy was a top side, um, top side submission. But every Taza match ever is like him looking for that inversion, coming under, getting the knee bar, getting the heel hook. If he can do that to Jonathan Gracie, he can take it. I just think Jonathan Gracie will go in 
knowing what match he has to have with Oliver Taza and prevent Oliver Taza from being able to do that. Dude, in the last year, Jonathan Gracie hardly had any Nogi matches, period. He went to Nogi Worlds, and that kind of looks like it. So when we were just talking, when I was talking to you about the activity level of Taza, you have to wonder at at what point does that factor into how this match is going to turn out? Like that, I mean that. I don't want to say craftiness, but the leg lock game of how Taza. Much, how much leg lock should you do? Like, yeah, not how much leg how much leg lock do? Like you have Taza, Albert Taza, who is a guy that pretty what for at least. We see Taz on the Gi occasionally, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Primarily a Nogi player competing in Nogi most of the time versus Jonathan Gracie, who definitely does Nogi, but more primarily a Gi player yeah. now in, 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 in competition. Exactly. Yeah. If you just look at the last year, though, it's like crazy the amount of Nogi matches that Gracie has versus the amount that Taza has. So you do have to kind of wonder, like, is this not a trap, but is this a favorable stylistic matchup for Taza? Because of that factor at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know. That makes it, for me, that actually makes it, I think, a lot closer than I was initially thinking about. Because I was thinking, like, Jonathan's Gracie, but I was thinking about him, his career kind of as a whole, and, like, what he does, and how he pressures in, and, like, how he's going to deal with kind of an open guard player like Taza. But I'm thinking about, most of the times that I'm thinking about him addressing a player like that, he's doing it in the gi. And mm-hmm. so he has the grips on the gi. He has the ability to like kind of like fold pass in. He has the ability to like pressure forward. If he's not going to have the grips in the same way, I think this actually you've kind of turned me here. I think this could be a much more even matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, I do think Jonathan Gracie will be able to deal with the open guard of Taza and be able to get around it. Um, but I think that there, are, it would not surprise me to see Taza get under him early and put him in real danger in the beginning of this match. Yeah, especially no, I think early. the intrigue is what makes the matchup great at this point because it, it's not; it's almost the opposite of Gordon versus Felipe. Yeah. We've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it. And now we're wondering what the next wrinkle is. There's a lot of intrigue in this matchup, and that actually is what makes it exciting for me. Yeah, are you taking Oliver Taza? Or are you taking Gracie? I'm leaning Taza. I'm just, I mean, I feel like conventional wisdom would say Gracie, but. Taz is at New Wave, right? Is he? I think he's at New Wave. I haven't. I mean, I I don't know if I follow him on social media, but that's really how I follow who is currently at what gym, especially with all the breakups in the I've last trying, how many weeks? New New Year. I've uh, been trying to like be on Instagram like way less, <laughs> so it, it's actually made me have to lean on the folks on the team a little more because I've I'm not just like constantly. It's not constantly in my face. I think mental health wise, it's a little healthier for me, but. Running this show, I think I'm gonna have to. Find, I think I'm gonna have to swing and find a better balance. Oh, um, I'm a human trash heap. I just constantly find these stupid things yeah, on you Instagram, do. And, and, and then and then you then Twitter. You just send them over to me. Yeah, MMA stuff really. Yeah, but, but um, that's so cool. I think yeah, I think I'm taking Gracie. If you take Taza, like that's not. I don't think that's a bad pick. I can see again. I, this is a matchup. I see a victory pathway for Taza here, but I also see like Taza is somewhat hot and cold. If he yeah. has a cold day, like this is a this is a Jonathan Gracie match. If Taza's on, like he puts he puts Gracie in a ton of danger here, and potentially even gets the outside heel hook or that that knee bar he does from the bottom. Next match: Renee Souza versus Kieran Kerchik. Um, Renee's bigger than Kieran mm. by a bit. I don't think Kieran Kieran's like a fifty fiver. Like he's my size. Is he a that little, small? He's my size. He's yeah. he's a little bigger than me, but not. He's more muscular. He's my size, but he's more muscular. Mm. Like he's not. 
he's not that big. Souza is a guy. I don't think. I do not think Souza is a fifty-fiver. I think Souza is closer to eighty. Souza, I'm pretty sure, is like one eighty on the dot. Yeah, something like that. So, a bit of a size difference here. Um, Kieran, look, go watch Kieran's Emerald City Invitational run. Go watch his West Coast Trials run. Like, dude is next level. Rene Souza, I like his game a lot. He has tended to be troubled by guys that have a style like Kieran, which is just like, I'm going to run into you, and I'm just going to overwhelm you with pressure, and I'm going to play a really, really good positional game on you. We've seen Kieran at B-team. Kieran's also a TLI guy. Um, that is a hallmark of the TLI guys. Mm-hmm. Is they will positionally get into you on north-south, on side control, and just like crush you through um, with less like floaty, flowery work. They're sort of going to like pressure pass it heavy on top, especially kind of with how Kieran likes. He likes to kind of heavy pass around you or like float pass around you, and then he'll clamp on you and he'll slow you down. So and Kieran I, was at 160 for Nogi Worlds most recently. Okay. Yeah. And Renee's yeah. been competing at like 88 kilos. It's like what? 190? 70 something. Yeah. yeah, 79. Something like that. Not a math guy. 180, basically. Yeah. Yep. So the size difference is interesting here. Again, Renee is very, very long. Um, if Renee can get into the leg locks, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to leg lock Kieran because Kieran also has very, very good leg locks as well that we've seen, again, at Emerald City, at West Coast Trials. Um, he's very, very crafty. He's quick. This is a... It's an interesting matchup on the main card. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm curious as to why it's here from like a promotion standpoint. I love it. It's just two guys kind of different weight classes um, with very, very different games. And so I think uh, Renee's competed for flow a good bit in the last year. He was on who's next. He's on who's next. Um, I think he he competed at the who's next finale uh, against Tackett. Yes. Yeah. So I, and when you're talking about like why he's there, I'm thinking it's okay. This is a guy that's been on our yeah. Uh, sorry, not why he's there. I'm sorry, not, not why he's there was a really poor way to put that. I mean, like this is an interesting matchup to make it two guys at not the same weight class. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, why is this match? I'm curious, like what what the narrative for the match is. Why it's made. I'm interested in the match because again, mm-hmm. big fan of Kieran's game. Like he's a guy on the rise. Big fan of Renee's game. Like he is a crafty dude with crazy chokes from the bottom. I think, unfortunately, Renee is a guy that a lot of times will leverage his ability to choke from the bottom and, like, lean into that more in, like, pro matches. And I think Kieran's a really, really is – that is not a strategy that's going to be successful for a guy like Kieran who's going to be really, really diligent in knowing what Renee brings to the table and avoiding it and staying away from the buggy choke, away from the, the kind of the triangles from the bottom, away from the inversions on the bottom, and just sort of stay high on the shoulder's neck in order to sort of get a top side choke or even towards the back. That's sort of how I see this matchup going. Um, if we see Renee like implement a different strategy than we see him do versus Tackett, where he's sort of, no, that was not passive, but I really couldn't see, figure out what strategy he was going for there. Renee could definitely leverage a size advantage here, especially a length advantage. But um, I've been really hot on Kieran, and I'm kind of making a gut pick just, on mm-hmm. that, on seeing again, seeing I was Matt side for his West Coast, a couple of his West Coast trials matches, and was very, very impressed on that and his Emerald City stuff. Like that's 
in in my head that I was really, really impressed with what I saw there. And Renee has had some tough matches recently, especially versus Tackett, that I think that stylistically um, Kieran slots in to be able to capitalize on the things in Renee's style that work well in his game. By the way, I was right. 88 kilograms is 194. I don't know why I let you sway me. You said 88, not... Okay, I thought... Yeah. I, I, I was doing for 77. Nah, okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, obviously, it's 2.2 yeah. 2. 2 times 88. Okay. Dude's got like 30 pounds on him. That's crazy. Yeah. So, again, this is this is another... It's a, an interesting size dynamic here, mm-hmm. but, um, again, if, if A can change the game plan up and leverage the, the reach, very possible, but I think that he will probably pull in here and we'll be able to pass through and get on top. It's an opening fight. You're going to want something well, explosive. Well, it's, it's not. We're missing the prelims still. Yeah, it's a main it's opening, card opener. Yeah, yeah. Main card opener. Yeah. So, overall, again, super fun card. I'm I'm excited for this. I hope that I hope that Flow doesn't fuck up the broadcast and You know they will. I hope that they learned and we've seen more it goes back and forth. They now. never learn. No, it just gets worse. Every time it's gotten worse. I hope this isn't a 6-hour event. This is okay. Yes, this that is that is something they improved one, two, on last time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is eight matches, and Gordon Ryan is a no time limit match. You budget, you budget for that match to go four hours, but you plan for it to go about an hour and a half. So I want this done by eleven o'clock. And it is a Saturday night, so mm-hmm. okay, it's better than a Thursday night. A Thursday night at spend. at one a.m. Um, I would love this done at eleven o'clock. Eastern time for Grand oh no the, the main card starts at ten o'clock Eastern time nine nine p.m. nine p.m. Eastern time the undercard begins at nine o'clock the main card begins at ten why do you hate me no don't look at me why? Flo's why the one that Flo put that me? on because dude this is yeah gonna be, this is gonna be one thirty in the morning we have like seven energy drinks just trying to stay up for yeah. this fight so that's one thing I I wish in leading up to this I wish that Flo would mm-hmm. again we've th- we've talked about it for years grappling events the some of the best grappling events are about two two and a half hours especially if you're only going to have a couple of super fights like this that are great 15 minute matches but like one needs to end you need to run your two minute promo for the athletes and then have them walk out like you need to have five minute four to five minutes max between matches, we can't do the 11 to 15 minutes that we've been doing between matches because then this card is six and a half hours long. And it's a terrible viewing experience. This is the kind of card that I would love to have people like White Belts, Blue Belts, people in my life over to the house to watch and enjoy. I'm like, hey, this is the sport I do. This is the one from the highest level, but I can't bring guys over for six and a half hours on a Saturday because everyone's going to get bored because the card pacing is poor. So yeah. I would love Flow to run... Again, who's number one? I think it's a great product. It is. I would love them to run the cards in a way to get, you know, three matches an hour, three decision matches an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, then we have one, two, this is a three and a half hour, which I still think is too long for most jujitsu cards, but a couple of them have subs. Gordon doesn't go an hour. You very, you can absolutely get this into a two and a half hour event. Like, think of jujitsu has this kind of obsession with super long cards because we're used to tournaments that mm-hmm. run like all day look at all pro sports yep like how long is a basketball game a few hours door to door two and a half just about yeah yeah football game three hours. door to door three hours uh another sport hockey two yeah, and a half don't hours. Ask me. like but i'm saying like yeah. that two and a half hours a concert like concerts are about an hour and a half two hours like if you go to a three hour concert like you're ready to be in a movie 
Avatar's getting shit right now because it's three and a half hours. Like, and that's a movie that has been cut and edited to have action and have pacing. If you want guys to sit through cards, like that two-hour window is about where most people's attention span lies for for watching sports broadcast. See, Stick but unfortunately, Flo as a broadcaster are the types to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to have a uh, completely uh, no time limit match in our co-main event and then move them onto the back mat. This time, we're only going to have the main event be a no time limit match. There, we've learned our lesson, but they're still going to do all the things on the broadcast that piss all of us off so yeah. much. And you and mm-hmm. whoever's going to be hosting the show next week are just going to go off about it probably because yep. it's the circle of life when it comes to watching but I, but I just, sports. I just think and I wish that I say it in a respectful manner long enough into the ether that maybe some things will change and like I can watch this card on a Saturday night and have people over and it be a two hour card that starts at 9 p.m. ends at 11 and then you know we have a great evening not a card that starts the that undercard starts at 9 main card's going to start at 10 we have one two three four five matches that are 15 minutes a couple of them are definitely going to go decision just based on like the level of grapplers that we have on this card mm-hmm. you know world class level grapplers on this card they don't always sub all the time 15 minutes plus your five minute walk in that's easily you're only getting two fights an hour we're starting at 10 11 12 main event is going to start if we're lucky at midnight 12 30 and then it's no time limit and you- a short no time limit for gordon is 25 minutes. And regardless of how many decisions or finishes are on that card, there's still going to be like 15 minutes of padding. Yep. Not even just ads. Like they're going to run all their stupid ads, but then even between those, it's just going to be the F on the screen. Like, please wait while we're- It's on commercial blah, blah, blah. break, bro. Just just show me a B-roll of the map instead when that happens. Yeah, and just go, and just give, me a, give me a timer. Give me a timer. Just have the respect to give me a timer countdown. Like, hey, match, match starts in this time. Like, hey, man- 30 minutes. Well, I know I can come back in 30 minutes and not just like because you're losing my interest just showing up the commercial break timer because you're not actually showing commercials. You did during the matches. So that's my kind of wish. I wish that, again, we move into 2023. We understand that it needs to be a professional, like timed broadcast to keep mm. interest. And I would love to not complain about it because these are really phenomenal matches and they, phenomenal yes. grapplers. I just, you know, I want things to change, Simon. I, I want to so. be able to stay awake through an entire main card, which I haven't been able to do yet. Dude, it's <laughs> rough. You and me both. You fall asleep on my couch. I fall asleep on your couch. Oh, yeah. No, you just start throwing at stuff at me like midway through fights. Yeah. It's, it's not pretty. Fun. Yep. So so that's this week. That's the card. I'm amped for it. It should be fun. I hope that it ends before midnight. Um, That is my, that is my, honestly, that's my big hope. Um, Let's move to the outro section. Uh, Man. Sports gambling is legal now in Maryland. This is a problem. And it's a problem for us. It's not like a lose my house problem, but it's a oh, man. No. I love I love betting on sports. And I can't wait. I want I want grappling to get professional enough where I can parlay bets on a card on a weekly basis. Oh no, it never through draft. I would totally work, Simon. I want to live that dream. Like, Simon, if I can bet on under thirteen table tennis at two AM in Belarus then it's possible for me to be able to bet on grappling. Oh, snap. I won that uh, parlay between with Morgan State and Coppin State. Did you really? For no other reason, but there were two local teams, plus 2,875. Yeah, so, yeah, so you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't picked up on. Uh, Simon and I are sports betting degenerates. And I, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's not a problem. It is a problem. It's not a problem. I mean, it's not really a problem, actually. 
I bought my kids Christmas presents thanks to DraftKings. Actually, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot. Of, it's been a ton of fun. Um, bet responsibly, like I do. Like I love small bets. I love. I do love like dollar bets. Dollar bets. Dollar are bets fun. are the best. I love yelling for a dollar. Like you, UFC fight you don't care about. You look at the walk in. You go like, that's my guy. Dude, you dollar bets. Dollar... We, we invented at fight to win. We did because anytime any one of us, anybody from our gym would be on the card. We'd all buy tables. Yep. And we'd all just be sitting in that VIP section, and then just like somebody breaks out a wad of dollar bills, and like, hey, I've never heard of this purple belt from Colombia. Here's a dollar on him. Oh no, 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 never mind. He's going against Tadai Danforth. Tadai's going to murder him. Yeah. I'll take that dollar bet. Yeah. That's those, those, those makes it makes it fun entertaining. Yeah. And then now it's like, and now it's legal in Maryland. That's very and, scary. Uh, and DraftKings has an in-game button that you can play, and you can look at worldwide games for any sport and odds. And like, I'll put a dollar on. A uh, uh, South American local football, t- a f- local soccer team uh, that is up uh, two points in the 85th minute of the game for under 2,000, you know, odds. So it's Why been not? great. I want grappling to get to. So I say I say this to go uh, about responsibly, and also, man, I want to get grappling to a point where it's professional enough to be on like a sports betting app. Uh, I've done this show for many, many, many years, and there is, <laughs> there are, there are dollar bets to win, Simon. Dude, there I, are dollar bets to win. I hit a sixteen leg boxing parlay this week. That's just stupid. Like, what? Why? Why are you doing that to yourself? I don't know, man. I hit, I hit a twelve leg uh, volleyball parlay. Oh no, dude! I and I think I was texting you in the middle of it. Like, I legitimately had nothing to do last Saturday night, and I legitimately was on DraftKings all night betting every single fight on that garbage UFC that card last week. That was a fun card. It was not. I clicked. It, no, it was so not I, a I fun watched, card. I watched our buddy fight in a pro, in a pro boxing fight down at uh, down the casino that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also doing the same thing during the prelim fights. Man. Yeah. I, yeah I, I, I was betting fights based off of guys' names at one point. There was yeah. two guys named Jamal. I'm like, I'm taking both Jamals. You better believe I'm parlaying the, the Jamal. Jamar, the Jamal, the Jamal parlay. parlay paid off, by the way, for those keeping score at home. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, I don't have much for the outro this week. It's been a, it's been a busy it's been a busy week in our lives. But are you injured still? Yeah, bro. It's it's all torn. I mean, like, are you hurt? Or are you injured? Uh, I'm injured. Okay. I'm well, I'm not like I'm like just, you're still training though. Just, yeah, I trained today. Okay. Uh, I'm just baseline injured. Like the rotator cuff is partially torn. The labrum's fully torn on the same side. This labrum's a uh, grade two slap eh, tear. That's fine. Uh, my spine surgery two years ago. Um, the one knee is sprained on both sides of the, both ligaments and the knee are sprained yeah. on either side. Okay. And so, you know, I'm living my best life. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my recovery time has been spent on, uh, on DraftKings, just like scrolling, scrolling bets. So you got anything else, Simon? No. All right. Same old, same old. As always in the show, I'm your host, Maine, my co-host, Simon. And we have the grappling around to see the mat, what it is. Stay safe. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Google+. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time and thank you.